0: Welcome back to another episode on What the Autism. This podcast is for anyone who is struggling with understanding what autism is and how we can better empower our autism community through research-proven methods. In each episode, I will be sharing with you groundbreaking research and how the diagnosis of autism can often be misunderstood. If you are a new listener to our podcast, I recommend you start from episode one to catch up to speed on various terminology and concepts. Before we get started today, I actually wanted to give a huge shout out to all our international listeners that are joining us. We have listeners um, from all around the world, including here the United States, the UK, India, Emirates, Switzerland, Australia, Belgium, Netherlands, Canada, Mexico, and Russia. I just want to thank you all for tuning into our podcast channel here. But if you would like more updates on our podcast channel, gain access to some helpful resources, and be a part of future giveaways, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WhatTheAutism. Now let's get started. Back in episode three, we spent some time talking about various treatments that are available for children with autism. In today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about my area of expertise, which is ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis. So what is it? It's a common question that I get asked all the time or the popular, oh, that's cool, but really they have no clue what that is type of response. Amongst my social circle, I'm often referred to as a friend that works with children with autism. So what I wanna do in today's episode is actually uncover some of the basics of ABA that anyone and everyone can use in their everyday life. I'm actually really excited for today's episode because this is an episode that will benefit listeners of all backgrounds. So whether you are a parent, and you don't have to have an autistic child for ABA strategies to be beneficial to your parenting, Um, a treatment provider, or even someone who's just curious about ABA. Let me tell you from the beginning and from the start, ABA does not always equate to autism therapy. ABA can actually be used for anything and anyone that engages in behavior, which is basically all living and breathing organisms. But ABA has been proven to be an effective method of treatment for children with autism. But it's also been proved to be an effective method for those that struggle with substance abuse, those that are interested in going into fitness coaching or becoming nutritionists or life coaches, Um, even organizations or large corporations use the method called the organizational behavior management, which focuses on the behavior of a company's um, employees and the company itself. So what exactly is ABA? ABA is a therapy based on the signs of an individual's behaviors and how they learn. So in other words, behavior analysis helps us to better understand how behavior works, how a person's behavior is affected by the environment, and how their learning takes place. So the main goal of ABA is to increase behaviors that are helpful to an individual and decrease behaviors that are harmful or that can negatively impact their learning. Ways that ABA therapy programs can help is, one, increase language and communication skills. Two, improve attention, focus, social skills, memory, and academics. And three, decrease problem behaviors such as intense tantrums, aggression, noncompliance, property destructions, and many more. ABA has been existing as a therapy treatment since the 1960s, and since then, the research behind ABA and its effectiveness has been thoroughly investigated and proven time and time again. During the last three episodes of our podcast, I've touched on various research that proves the effectiveness of ABA and some common myths that have been uh, debunked by research. So tune into episode 5 if you're curious to hear more about other common myths on the topic of the autism diagnosis. But to dive into the topic of ABA treatment, I'm going to simply break down some very basic foundational principles of ABA. This is going to be extremely helpful to know for future episodes when we dive further into research that, is, that has a little bit more complex concepts and scientific terminology. So to get started, in ABA, the surrounding environment is extremely important to study. When we first start services for our patients, what's most important is that we control this environment to really ensure that we create as successful of a learning opportunity as possible. And in order to do this, we first need to understand how these environments are studied and how to effectively utilize these variables to control the environment. But let's take a couple steps back. First, we need to define what the word behavior means, right? As BCBAs, we're constantly tossing out the word behavior and we refer to everything as a behavior, but what does, how, do, how does ABA specifically define behavior? So in ABA, we define behavior as anything a person says or does that involves movement and has an impact on the environment. A behavior needs to be able to be observed, described, and recorded it needs to also pass what we call something called um, the dead man's test. So basically the concept of the dead man's test is that if a dead man can do it, then it is not a behavior. So for example, a child not paying attention, not a behavior. Why? Because a dead man can do it, right? Um, Another one, a child being non-responsive is not a behavior. Why? Because a dead man can do it. But a child being... um, you know, going outside to run or working on their homework, playing with their friends. These are all examples of what we define as a behavior. Another common mistake that a lot of people will make is what we call the circular reasoning. For example, some parents will come to me and say things like, Johnny doesn't do his homework because he's lazy. So if I ask, why is Johnny lazy? The parents will say things like, well, because he doesn't do his homework. So if you take a look at the statement of Johnny doesn't do his homework because he's lazy. There is no end to the circular reasoning. And this results in a behavior that can't be observed. I can't observe Johnny being lazy. What does lazy even look like? How it looks like for me might be different for someone else. If we can't observe it, we can't measure the behavior. And a behavior has to be observable and measurable in order for it to be identified as a behavior. So why is this so important? Why are we nitpicking at the definition of behavior? Um, Because when people make general observations, there are a lot of opinions and biases that are included. Classic examples of this, um, things like, my child is hitting other people because he's just being a troublemaker. Or my child doesn't like playing with other kids because he's just being shy. But how do we observe and measure when a child or a person is being a troublemaker or being shy? We need to break these labels into observable behaviors in order to weed these opinions out of the observation and measurement and effectively count and record each episode. So instead of labeling a child as a troublemaker, we want to come up with concrete, observable, and measurable behaviors such as when other children don't play with my child, he runs up to the other children and hits them. Or when his friends don't want to play by his rules of the game, he hits them. These scenarios are all examples of observable and measurable behaviors. So we cover the definition of behavior as something a person says or does that involves movement, has an impact on the environment, and is observable and measurable. If you need a couple seconds to process that, I recommend you pause the podcast here before we move on to the next concept. Another very basic terminology that we use in ABA is called ABC. A stands for antecedent, B stands for behavior, and C stands for consequence. A is for antecedent, so antecedent refers to anything and whatever occurs right before the target behavior happens. This could be verbal, such as an instruction or a request. It can also be physical, such as the presentation of a toy or object, or even a sound that comes from the laundry machine or a doorbell. An antecedent can come from the environment, from another person, but it can also be an internal thought or process of feeling. Things that we look for when we're looking at the antecedent is, um, you know, various factors to determining what the antecedent necessarily includes. So examples can be, um, when does the problem behavior usually occur? You know, is there a specific time of day, or is it between transitions of activities? Um, the next one is where do um, the problem behavior um, usually occur? Is it in the classroom? Is it at the workplace, the gym, um, on the playground with friends? Right. Um, another one is who's present during the problem behavior occurring. So, is it specific staff members, as specific coworkers, or students? Then lastly, um, what activities or events precede the occurrence of the problem behavior? So is it a specific non-preferred activity or is it free time activities or is it a break or what is it specifically that's happening right before um, the problem behavior actually occurs? And B is for behavior. This is the person's response or the lack of response to the antecedent that happened right before the behavior. It can be an action or a verbal response. When we look at the behavior, we wanna be very specific about what this behavior specifically looks like. We call this the topography of the behavior. So when we say that a child is aggressive, what does that mean? Because Johnny being aggressive might look different from how Sally is being aggressive. So we wanna be specific about the appearances of the behavior along with the duration and the intensity of the behavior. Lastly, C is for consequence. This is what comes directly after the behavior. In the typical English language, we refer to consequences as a negative punishment, such as timeouts and reprimands, but in ABA, we refer to consequence as anything that comes directly after the behavior occurs. And dependent on what type of consequences are presented, this can increase or decrease the specified behavior that we're taking a look at. Studying the ABCs of a situation can help us better understand why a behavior may be happening and how different consequences could affect whether the behavior will happen again. So what we're gonna go ahead and do right now is actually talk about some examples and investigate further into the ABCs of these different scenarios. So a classic example that we hear about all the time, whether the child has autism or not, we hear this all the time in the grocery store, right? So a child is waiting at the register with her mom at a grocery store. The child asks the mom for candy, mom says no, and the child starts to cry because she wants candy. Now, what we're gonna do is break it down into the ABCs. So antecedent, what happened before the child started crying? The mom and the child are at the register and the mom says no to the child's request for candy. That's the antecedent. The behavior, the child throws a 15 minute tantrum by screaming and dropping to the floor while kicking her legs. Now, for consequences, A parent can make one of two decisions. First, they can either put up a fight, but at the end, end up giving in and buying the candy because they don't want to deal with the tantrum and the embarrassment of everyone staring at them. Or, um, despite the long tantrum episode, the parent doesn't buy the candy and they actually walk out of the store empty-handed. Now, taking a look at both options, when a child cries for the candy after being told no, and then the parent ends up purchasing the item for the child... What does that teach the child? When they want something, regardless of the approval or disapproval that's given, the child will cry, right? Um, so this is something that I want to highlight and make sure that everyone understands. Um, this is really important in our, the future of our ABA discussion as this is going to determine um, how we take a look at behaviors and how we determine whether um, the behaviors are expected to increase or decrease. Another example that I want to set up is maybe in a school environment. So the scenario is that the child doesn't do their homework. So what's the ABCs, right? A, the antecedent, parent instructs their child to do their homework. B, for behavior, the child throws their pencil and book across the living room. C, for consequence, the parent is busy taking care of dinner and doesn't want to put up a fight with the child, they put the child on timeout for not listening. But what has that taught the child? Basically, every time they don't want to do something, they throw things and get upset, and they'll be placed into a timeout to get out of doing the non-preferred activity. So in this situation, what we think is a punishment, like a timeout or a reprimand, is actually serving as a motivation to the child to continue engaging in these inappropriate behaviors to get out of doing these non-preferred tasks. So these were just a few examples of what the ABC of a behavior may look like. The types of information that the ABCs collect for us is what we need to identify the function of behavior, which we'll be going over in next week's episode. Understanding the function of a behavior or why someone engages in a specific behavior will help you to better understand how to react to those behaviors to increase or decrease those behaviors. Let me remind you, this works on anyone. This includes any child, autism diagnosis or not. This also works on any adult, autism diagnosis or not. And between us, let me tell you, I've definitely used this on my family and friends before, and it works spot on every time. So I hope you can join us next week to talk about the functions of behavior. But this concludes another episode here at What the Autism. We upload a new episode on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. If you have any questions on today's episode and or you have any recommendations for future topics and discussion, please feel free to email us at whattheautismpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at whattheautism for any helpful resources and updates in regards to our discussion topics. But please note that this podcast has been created to discuss my personal experiences and opinions and is not a means of medical or, or psychological recommendations. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical or psychological advice to treat any diagnoses and or conditions in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Please consult your own physician or psychologist for any symptoms and recommendations. But stay tuned for episode seven where we'll be discussing um, the functions of behavior and how we can address um, different behavior scenarios um, to increase or decrease different types of behaviors. But if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you follow and subscribe to our podcast channel and I'll see you in episode seven.